there's a reason why they say, oh wow, it's a Chamber of Commerce day. We want it perfect. We want to, the sun's always shining and God forbid we're transparent about some of the challenges and issues. But I'm telling you right now, no, no business, no successful company grows and develops without putting together a SWOT analysis, yeah. sitting in a boardroom and saying, here's our opportunities, our weaknesses, our threats, as yeah. well as our strengths. Yeah. So I'm proud of Fort Worth of doing that. Hello, everyone. My name is Chris Powers, and I want to thank you for joining me on the Fort Podcast. This show is an open-ended discussion and journey covering business, ideas, entrepreneurship, investing, and life. We take an unconventional approach that leans into thoughts and ideas that aren't often publicly discussed. We'd love to hear from you at thefortpodcast at gmail.com. Chris Powers is the founder and CEO of Fort Capital. All opinions expressed by Chris and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Ford Capital. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for real estate or investment decisions. Hey guys, it's Chris. Thanks for tuning into the Fort Podcast today. Excited to have Brandon Gingelbach, the Executive Vice President of the Fort Worth Chamber of Commerce. We have a great chat about what chambers do, how they're helping businesses, what he's seeing, uh, not only in Fort Worth, but in business in general, they are the uh, welcome gate when businesses are coming to new cities and everything in between. So enjoy. Brandon, thank you for joining me today. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me again. Yeah. Brandon, uh, disclaimer, was my first podcast episode that never aired because we recorded it while my cell phone laid <laughs> on a table with the speaker on. Um We've come a long way since then. <laughs> Listen, that was that was very forward thinking at the time. So. Yeah. Now we're and look, we're here. Progress. What uh what do you do at the chamber? So I'm in charge of the strategy and the direction uh, of the organization. What does the organization do? What do, what do chambers do? Interesting question. So chambers of commerce are about helping create growth and prosperity for uh, the business community and increasingly the community as a whole. You guys have a front line into businesses of all sizes. So maybe I'll start with, I don't even know if sizes is, is an indicator, but like, what are you noticing in today's world that businesses are asking for as opposed to what they might've been asking for when you started your career 10, 15 years ago? So when I started my career, the real estate piece for businesses that were looking at relocating or coming to a new community was really important. The infrastructure was really important. And when I say infrastructure, telecommunications and um, internet and broadband and, and those types of uh, infrastructure. Um, today, most communities are on the same page with regards to infrastructure and with regards to real estate and it's 100% or a large 99% about workforce. Why are they on the same page today, but maybe weren't 15 years ago? So there, there's just a level of progressiveness and a level of um, competitiveness that communities are um, involved with that wasn't the case 15 years ago. So let me give you an example. I hung out last year, a business took me to three cities that um, you would not 
traditionally think of going to visit for a weekend with your spouse or to hang out with your buddies. Yeah. So Kansas City, uh, Des Moines, Iowa, and Oklahoma City. So great communities. I'm not meaning any disrespect, but my yeah. point is when you think about a weekend away, you're thinking of, of maybe the, the more larger cities that you hear about. Um, every one of those communities is kicking butt and taking names. And what I tell people here in Fort Worth is, listen, us having a brewery, us having distilleries, us having um, recreational trails along a river, um, us having creatives with tattoos and and uh, technology, everyone and their grandma's doing that. Right. Des Moines doing it, Kansas City's doing it, Oklahoma's doing it. So everybody is really, really upping their game uh, versus where it was 15 years ago. Um, and as part of upping that game is that infrastructure piece that I'm talking about. So back in the day, San Francisco, LA, New York, Atlanta, Chicago, the large markets had broadband, internet, you know, all the things you need to be there. Then came this wave of, you know what, second tier cities are a whole lot less expensive. Now that they have the infrastructure, a lot of them are in states with no state income tax. So we're going to go and migrate to these second tier cities. And I was at ground zero for that because that was 2001 and I was in Nashville, Tennessee. Right. And that was, you know, the, the process that they started. And, and now look at them. They're, they're doing great stuff. And how do they start? Like, do all cities start with the same... Uh kind of capabilities or do laws govern different states or some cities can do things differently than others like what what, what can why would Des Moines be able to do something that Fort Worth couldn't is that just like a difference of opinion in people or is it money or no and 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 uh, I think what it is it's about um, the passion of the business community and the ability to work with the public sector to leverage the assets of your particular community and make sure that those assets are driving future opportunities for the businesses and the new residents that come to the area. So in, in each area, that's each community does it in their own unique way. But the point is, every community is extremely aggressive like about this. Um, very few communities are just sitting around and waiting for things to happen. Right. And it's easy for us in Fort Worth or in any community to be like, oh my gosh, it's amazing, it's wonderful. And what I'm trying to tell people is, is guys, everyone is up in their game. Everyone has amazing communities. Everyone has awesome corporate citizens. Everyone has entrepreneurs. So for us to be successful, we have to recognize we're competing in a new world yeah. from an economic development standpoint and from a community development standpoint. And then we need to develop strategies, thoughts, ideas that are um, going to fuel the next wave of change in this particular sector. Is a lot of that because of the access to information and technology. Now all these cities can see what everybody else is doing. And so it's easy to up your game when you just have to look on the internet and see what other cities are willing to do. Or as in 2001, maybe people didn't have the perspective they have now. That's right. There's a whole level of sophistication that the data brings and these communities, the good ones, are showing this data yeah. and they're being very uh, transparent about where they are, where they stack up to the competition. They want to be able to provide all the information so that if you're a, a, a business owner, an entrepreneur, um, college student, you're looking at an area, you can have all the information at your fingertips to make the right decision. So the chamber acts um, as kind of a front door for people visiting our city, maybe for the first time or wanting to see what we're all about. 
what do people love about Fort Worth when they come the first time? I had, my opinion's kind of probably jaded, but for people with first impressions, what what do you hear a lot of? Yeah, so so just to clarify, um, so we are definitely the welcome mat for business in Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. Um, when it's um, just sort of individuals, we're absolutely there, but yeah. usually there's a tourism um, or visitor component. And so our friends at Visit Fort Worth, they're the welcome mat for that. So, you know, for us, the number one thing is just getting people to Fort Worth right. and they're overwhelmed. Um, I think it's easy for all of us in economic development and people who love our community. It's very easy to think about the challenges and where we need to go and what we need to do. But um, we don't focus enough on what we have and our assets. So. Yeah. It's even easier for me to see because I've only been here two years. And so I haven't been here long enough to really spend time, you know, focusing on some of the challenges. Instead, I'm still overwhelmed with what we have. So I think when businesses come here, they are overwhelmed with just the amount of development that's happening in the community. Um, again, I think from our perspective, we want to see more and more, but. Um, there's different projects and activities happening in different parts of the community and that shows a healthy growth and gets them excited. There's a level of sophistication to our downtown. It's clean, it's walkable, it's, it's um, um, a pleasant, fun experience. You can tell that the customer is number one downtown, free valet parking. The other piece is just the laid back, authentic nature of our community, right? We're not um we have an identity it is um it is western it is laid back it is um, arts and creative it's got so many different components and so what we hear over and over again is just how cool and laid back and authentic easygoing and this community man it's it's so much more than i thought it was initially now fort worth is i mean the last decade is it's been fun to watch and be a part of uh the growth when a so a business comes to the city, they they show up, they get the 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 high level view from you, whether it's over a day or a couple of days, and then they show interest. What's like the process that a uh, a new company goes through to like quote unquote making a deal with the city of Fort Worth? So, it's I like to compare it with with um, buying or purchasing a home. You know, there's there's some. Um, parameters that we all use as we're looking at homes and where to live and what that looks like. And then there's maybe some specific one-offs that, that we're targeted on based on our family or kids or whatever that looks like. And so that's, that's very similar in the economic development world. So uh, for the most part, um, businesses are looking um, at a specific location to be able to access a client base or to be able to access a supplier or some sort of business geographic uh, place. So they'll be looking in a specific region and they'll draw a circle around a a specific location and they wanna be 90 miles within sort of this circle or 120 miles. And so we'll be competing with different communities. And what happens after that is they'll reach out to these communities and say, hey, we're company X and uh, we're looking at uh, providing an investment to accomplish this goal and we'd love for you to respond to this uh, request for information uh, that we're going to review and then find out if 
uh, what what communities deserve um, a visit. And so from there you go from sort of an information collection stage to um, an actual site visit stage. And then you have a company that will come visit and they'll visit several different communities. And during that opportunity, you're showcasing your community. Right. So you're showing them real estate, you're talking about workforce, um, you'll talk about incentives. Sometimes you'll show them homes. I mean, that's when, you know, you pick them up in the car and you're thinking, dude, what's the best route from the airport to get to the particular real estate <laughs> site so we don't have to drive by that building yeah. or whatever, um, uh, which in our case, it's a, it's a fun, easy drive and an easy sell. From there, it really becomes a project that you begin to work on. And that project can be anywhere from seven to 18 months where there's more visits, they're vetting um, you, you're, and frankly, vetting them and understanding it. And and, um, and then from there, they'll narrow it down even more. And, and then you start getting into more specifics about incentives and different programs that the state or the city offers. And then at that point, you'll You'll find out if you win. Is that like a year-long process, a couple months? That's it. Yep. So seven, seven months. Uh, I've done it as short as seven months, as long as 18 months, um, and even longer. And sometimes the project will start, and then it'll stall. If you remember in the Amazon, HQ2. That was HQ2, I'm coming in with that right yeah. now. <laughs> so, you know, with that one, uh, they, they changed their strategy a bit, right? They had one spot, and then they decided two. And that's very common. Yep. What did the whole Amazon process teach you not just about Fort Worth, but maybe what did it teach teach chambers around the country uh, about what a behemoth like that can do. And I'm assuming even though they didn't come to DFW, we're way better off that we went through the process than had it never happened. So we're buddies. Yeah. I can give you the behind the scenes view unvarnished. Yeah. This is a yeah. totally private conversation. Exactly. Nobody no one's going to hear it. Awesome. So the Amazon HQ2, it, I would compare it to you and um, Fort Capital doing these amazing investments and these amazing developments and someone's following you around with a camera and just listening to your conversations and they're commenting and you're doing your job and you're also thinking like, you know, why are all these people interested in this? I'm having to explain the basic things of development to people who've never seen or understand the development process. Yep. So that's what it was like for me and us as economic developers. Yes, it, it, it was the Super Bowl for economic development. But as you say in the Super Bowl, I'm, I'm all about metaphors today or yeah. I'm telling these Bring stories. It. Okay, so the point is it's the same thing I do every single day. Yeah. No change. No I mean, change. It is blocking and tackling economic development. They send out an RFP. You fill it out. They come back with some questions. You take those questions. They come for a site visit. You showcase it. You, you know, get in the room with all the different leaders. So it was everything we do every day of the week, just like if someone were to follow you in your job. The only difference is the distraction of having all the media and all the hype around it. And I think some people feeling like they needed to showcase that and be maybe a little bit more flamboyant for, yeah. for fear that they may have be criticized in their own community for not, you know, not going um, the lengths that they need to. And you saw that with people sending them cactus and gifts and, and doing all these elaborate, unique things. And I think for us, is you know, 
this is just any other project. It is the Super Bowl, but you still got to play the game, and right. we're going to play the game the same way we always have. Now, we were a little bit more creative in our approach with how we did some of the things, and, and we had to involve a few more people for political purposes to make sure they were involved in the process, which traditionally don't get involved, but it, it just was you know, par and course of what we do every day. So being 5 billion, 25,000 people, it's, it's not a big deviator. What, what the aftermath, I guess, two questions. One, did you learn more about the city given how high profile this was? And then two, did Amazon lay the roadmap for, uh, a, a bunch of great companies maybe being interested drafting off of Amazon? So I'm sure they were kind of waiting to see where everybody, where they were going to end up and what they were interested in. And then, you know, everybody that's maybe playing minor leagues or they're not Amazon, you could still be major leagues and not be Amazon, but they're all, they're all coming in behind. And I'm assuming you're way more prepared now having shopped. I mean, you can shop anybody if you can shop Amazon. So do you make up these questions on the fly? Or, yeah. Because you've got no notes here, and I'm extremely impressed. We're just having just... a conversation. Dude, we got better. It's not a cell phone laying in the desk. I, I know, but I mean, wow. This... I actually get more distracted if I write stuff down. Okay. I know what to ask you. Yeah, that's it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, so, again, I'm going to sort of peel back the onion here. Really didn't learn much. I mean, um, I'm doing my job. Mm -hmm. If I don't know and understand Fort Worth and I don't know our assets and I don't know what to sell, then I'm not very good. Yep. Now, what I will tell you about Amazon is it was a DFW project. Right. So for me, it was a great opportunity to work a project with Dallas and to work with our regional partners to present a DFW uh, pitch. Mm -hmm. And so there was some uniqueness in you know, having conversations with some different parties that you don't normally work with. And so from a regional perspective, I think we're much more prepared to pitch regionally should the project come along. That's pretty rare. It's, it's, yeah. it's my understanding, you know, in the last 30 years, maybe once or twice, Dallas and Fort Worth have pitched uh, the Metroplex as, a, as an option for business. So, so there was some learnings from that. Um, we constantly are on the road with Dallas in terms of travel and marketing the, the the region. So there was some deliverables from Amazon that we can use. And I think sort of a more unified look and feel for DFW mm -hmm. that resulted from Amazon because we put resources in that. And that was a good thing. So your second question was about um, just being able to showcase for other companies. You know, again, um, we to be successful we have to have data and information on sites and if we're not then we're not going to be effective yeah. so um i think that um, there, there wasn't a whole lot of deliverables or things that we have that we use that we wouldn't normally already have and i think it was a six weeks six week turnaround and so you know there's a limited amount of things you can do anyway with that right so that was just something that um you know most of us had i think the difference was again maybe compiling that in a dfw theme right yep. so we didn't just do fort worth arlington dallas plano we, we sort of branded it all dfw so we took really what we had currently and then we we branded it and packaged it together so again i think that's a good thing to use but you know the second the project's over with a week later that data and information changes so um, but i think we do have sort of a um, 
like you're good, better off. We're better off for that. And then in terms of other companies, it's my understanding that, um, and my experience that you know most businesses that their their head is down and they're getting stuff done. Yep. And um, those of us that do this for a profession, you know, right. economic developers, and we're in the development industry and real estate, it's fun to talk to about talk to at cocktail parties. But most of the businesses we deal with, they've heard about it, but they're they're out manufacturing their product or being able to provide their service and looking at expansion and different opportunities. And, and the real talk was. You know, with the consultants and the people that are in our shoes, not necessarily the businesses. I will say, though, that people had long sort of speculated, hey, do we think this whole um, going out into the public and being transparent is sort of a new, you know, a new way? And it's absolutely not. I mean, I think it in many ways backfired um, pretty quickly. And you saw that because they tweeted out. And it was this big public process. And then six weeks later, they decided, you know what, we're going to send out some non-disclosure agreements. And now no one can talk. And and then it got even worse, obviously, with, with New York. It might have been the biggest genius move Amazon's ever done United States-wise. They now have the best data on every major city in the state or in the country that were giving everything they had. And, and Amazon's good with data, but they just got... A lot more of it basically for free who knows if they had their mind made up before they started but if they were ever looking to collect i would love to see that file of data oh yeah well and and you can get that at any point by calling and talking to communities yeah amazon did this as well you hire consultants and you say hey we're looking at the region and here's some data and information and people like me hand it over and supply it in any way um, to help them. And so it was much more of a coordinated effort to do that for sure. So I don't, I can't, I want to ask this question, right? And I can't remember if you and I chatted about this, but I was asking somebody, why do cities like Plano or Frisco or Richardson have the opportunity to make these amazing offers to business Mm -hmm. after business? And as I recall, whether it was you or somebody else, the, 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 the answer was, and why couldn't Fort Worth or Dallas make those type of offers? And it was, there was a law passed that these smaller towns and cities have way better bargaining chips to get people in. Um, and, I, and, the, and, the, and the law's kind of dated, and now you're seeing you know, Frisco turn into a mega, mega city. Uh, they actually, it's probably unfair competitive advantage them to us. Can you talk about that? And is is that the rule for the rest of life? Um, because we're getting a lot bigger. The Metroplex is getting a lot bigger. It doesn't seem like the unfair advantages. You could almost make an argument. Big cities now have trouble because they can't make those offers and people will go live on the other side of the river, one mile outside of town, get that benefit, but still benefit off the big city living. Yeah. So that was you and I, and mm-hmm. that, that could have been when you were recording with your phone or maybe some other fun time we yeah. had together. Um, so a couple, couple of things to set the stage. Number one is suburban communities have always been an, a very attractive option to, uh, to the core cities. And so I mentioned at the beginning when we started this conversation that second tier cities in America started to really grow and develop their infrastructure and become legit spots. 
So it's not just San Francisco and Cal or San Francisco and, and Los Angeles and New York. Oh, we could go to Nashville. We can go to Indianapolis. We can go to Kansas City. The next wave of that was, listen, uh, we can go to Nashville, but I'm going to go to Brentwood. Right. So Nissan North America, you know, they set up shop in Brentwood, Tennessee, right. a suburb of Nashville. Indianapolis, uh, they have Carmel. Uh, I don't know why they don't call it Carmel, like California, yeah. Carmel. <laughs> and, and so that is um, an, a suburb. And so the suburban thing has started to grow in general. And, and I, you know, there's two main things that, um, that drive that. Number one is education. So I can move my business or move my family to a suburban area. And the suburban area traditionally has better education, which is wrapped around the second issue, which is um, poverty. And um, when you are a suburban community, you are um, a new community, right. newer. You do not have you know, any type of generational poverty or issues that, that urban areas that have been established for a long period of time have. So the Nashville school system is always going to be at a disadvantage from Brentwood, Tennessee. And Alito is always going to be an advantage versus Fort Worth just because they're dealing with, with different, um, different demographics and different poverty and socioeconomic levels. You add to that this challenge we have in Texas, which is how do we show love to the eight largest metros in Texas while taking care of all these other counties, 254 counties and eight of them are in, you know, major cities. So there were laws passed to say, listen, it, it is a disadvantage for Paris, Texas, Georgetown, Texas, um, to be able to try to compete with Austin or San Antonio or some of the large cities. So what are some tools that we can give them? Well, they can use sales tax dollars for economic development purposes. If they're under a certain population, they're able to do that. And it's been incredibly effective. Knowing then what we know now, I think you could make the case that um, highly rural areas should have yeah. no restrictions, yeah. but maybe those that are within a 60 mile radius, 30 mile radius of a major metropolitan area, I'm not sure they would, you know, they have the, um, the same amount of power because um, what, what, ha what happens is what you're seeing now, which is these suburbs absolutely exploding, which to me, you know, suburban communities are not made to do that. And so from an from a urban development um, component, Dallas, Fort Worth, and all these 14 communities of 100,000 or more in population, it's going to get worse and worse from a transportation and mobility standpoint because the suburbs are starting to become the more dense than, than the core. Could you make the argument then that to uh, alleviate the uh, lack of uh, public education and the poverty that are in urban cities, we should be able to make the same offers that the suburban communities can so that for the same reasons that their education is getting better. Now, they don't have the legacy, you know, things that they have to deal with. But if we can't make those offers, I guess my question is, if we could, would our would we have more funding going into our education than before? It's almost like you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't type of situation. Yeah, so we can swear on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know I that. I said fuck on one not yes. too long ago. You, you should have opened with that. Yeah. I didn't know. Okay, so um, <laughs> welcome to the fucking podcast. 
I love it, man. Um, and we're not going to edit that. No, don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, so, yes, I think that we as large urban areas that have challenges of those large urban areas should absolutely have tools to be able to entice investment in any form to come into the community as a way to generate more tax revenue, greater prosperity, more jobs for, um, for, for the community. I think those are opportunities at the local level for us to work on, to deal with and stop uh, looking at others to, to handle. Right. You're gonna have a real tough time convincing the rest of Texas the the challenge of our of uh, uh, the plight that we have in Fort Worth with education and poverty and those things um, based on some of these other towns and communities all over Texas that right. are in a lot worse um, shape than us. So from from my perspective, it's okay. What can we be doing at a local level right. to be more creative and innovative um, to be able to get um, businesses and investment here that absolutely, as you said, play a role in helping education. The question might not be which is better, but what is more effective bringing in uh, or, or how are cities built? Are they built by bringing big companies into them or are they built by the small businesses in those cities becoming big companies? Would you rather see new companies? Obviously, we all want to see our businesses that are already here in Fort Worth prosper and thrive. I, I Maybe it's more the question is historically do cities grow more when it's organic growth through the city or when everybody starts coming in? Or is that a shitty question? No, that's, that's the best question you've asked today. Okay. That's really good. So the answer is it is more effective to grow within, but it is much sexier and enjoyable to talk about bringing new companies in. Yeah. So if, if, uh, well, if it were me and we didn't have to deal with... And know, it can be you. <laughs> this is our thanks. time. Thank you. So if we weren't in the political environment that we were in, I would put 75 to 80% of all of our resources on growing and developing the existing business and entrepreneurial and small business um, uh, ecosystem in our community and put maybe 10% on the outside. But the lion's share of attention and the easiest way to get um, economic prosperity and growth um, is bringing in people from the outside. Yeah. I wouldn't even say it's faster than growing locally, but you could, you could see some results quicker in three to five years having a hard recruitment effort versus growing and developing internally. Uh, growing and developing internally usually doesn't involve incentives, um, although to, to do effective, I think you, you want to incentivize and offer things to grow and encourage that market. But certainly that's a different level of incentive conversation versus recruiting. But what recruiting does is, to me, your ability to recruit business from the outside has a direct reflection on your community's self-esteem. And I think that's why it's such a popular thing to talk about and a way to measure success is that how many times have people asked you out on a date? You know, how yeah. many times have people courted you um, to go to their college or 
whatever you know example you want to use. And so that's a measuring stick, especially in politics, that people use is the businesses that have come here. Um, it's it's um, not as effective to be talking about the you know 64 small businesses, although I believe those you know businesses are um, pr- providing more for the economy. Right, and they're just in general companies that the whole community kind of can rally around. You saw it with Chesapeake in Oklahoma City, XTO in Fort Worth. You've seen it with Hillwood in Fort Worth. Uh, question is, if you're a small business and you're in Fort Worth, when do you know that you're starting to get big enough that you should go start asking maybe the chamber or econ development like, okay, I've gotten big enough. Now I need some help or whatever. Is that at any size you should ask or at certain sizes, it becomes a lot more of a realistic ask. So my counsel is from day one, whenever you're starting a venture or doing anything, there's questions, there's um, concerns, there's um, all sorts of things that um, you need as you put something together. And so the chamber of commerce needs to be a resource for you and needs to be somewhere that you call to get questions and get guidance and get direction. And it doesn't matter, uh, depending on your business and where it is and its um, development cycle, we can help you better than others. And But in any case, we are the you know traffic yeah. operators and can direct you to the right place, the right location. Um, and that's a that's a challenge for chambers of commerce to get out because of uh, the business world and the perception of the chamber back in the day you know when we call it the our grandpa's chamber yeah. versus you know the chamber in 2019 right yeah i think one of the coolest things in working with you and for anybody listening with a small business sometimes the hardest thing and the most expensive thing is access to good and relevant information uh, if you are seeking information on your community or statistics or DFW, call the chamber and they will gladly provide you with information that might otherwise be hard to get or expensive to get. And uh, I don't want to say it's free, but it might be free or it might be really cheap. Is it free, cheap? Yeah, so so it's free for okay. the first two times. And then after that, uh, we'll have a greater discussion about um, some partnership in that area that where we can help each other out cool what is Fort Worth doing to be progressive and um, become better at economic development <laughs> that's not a loaded question yeah wow that's it that's it yeah so um, Fort Worth specifically is part of this amazing awesome uh, market called Dallas Fort Worth yep. and we are extremely blessed to be here um, the challenge is that I'm going to use another metaphor. I, I do love, it, man. I love doing metaphors. Yeah. We'll find out if your listeners enjoy this. It's Metaphor Monday. Yes. Even though it's Wednesday. Wednesday. Uh, so so w- when you're the star quarterback and you're a really gifted, amazing athlete and it just sort of happens for you, it's, it's, it's pretty fun and enjoyable. But then when you move on to the next wave of competition – if you don't have some solid work ethic and no one understand how it is, you can fall off pretty quick and go from hero to zero. Mm-hmm. And so that's a metaphor for Fort Worth and for Dallas Fort Worth. We're so blessed and so successful to live in this amazing market where we're kicking butt and taking names. 
um, you know, no different than Fort Capital, killing it and having a blast. Uh, but before you look up, you know, you're you've been relying on one or two projects or you've been reacting to different growth and you haven't thought about the next wave of growth and development and change to spur on the organization or the community. And so um, I think that in a very transparent way is something we've realized in Fort Worth is that um, we had amazing forefathers and foremothers who have built and developed this community. And whenever you're growing and experiencing amazing things, it's easy to look back and smile mm -hmm. at what's been created as opposed to continuing to push. It's easier for communities to continue to push when you're on the verge of irrelevancy. Mm -hmm. So when you go to Oklahoma City, you talk to their chamber and they tell you, we had United Airlines corporate headquarters ready to come here. The incentives, the land, the building, everything was perfect. And the CEO said, there's no reason why we shouldn't be here, except our employees don't want to come here. Mm -hmm. And at that point, OKC was like, we have got to be a community that people want to come to. So that's when they started their MAPS program, where they have a sales tax initiative, a penny sales tax to fund improvements to be able to create the stadium and the trolley yeah. system, school investment the waterfront, all the things that they have, because they're like, oh my word. So I've been in communities, Nashville was there one time, um, Indianapolis was there one time, Kansas City, they're Cincinnati, I mean, we can go on yeah. and on of communities. With the exception of some um, oil and gas bumps and, and you know different challenges we've had with, I think it was uh, General Dynamics that shut their plant down and the base realignment and closure in Fort Worth we haven't really had any big major challenges. And so that leads to a little bit of some um, complacency yeah. and comfort. And that's not a um, indictment on anyone or anybody. I think it's just the natural progression of how things go. And so for us, we as a community, I'm so thankful recognize that mm -hmm. and are being transparent about it. Cause Chris, Yep. Dude, we're 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 like sales and marketing people, okay? So like there's a reason why they say, Oh wow, it's a chamber of commerce day. We want it perfect. We wanna the sun's always shining and God forbid we're transparent about some of the challenges and issues. But I'm telling you right now, no no business, no successful company grows and develops without putting together a SWOT analysis. Yeah. Sitting in a boardroom and saying, Here's our opportunities, our weaknesses, our threats, as yeah. well as our strengths. Yeah. So I'm proud of Fort Worth of doing that. But the reality is the level and the sophistication of economic development um, has um, far surpassed in other areas. And we've got to be able to catch up. Um, and you've done that SWAT and that led to the plan, which is the four pillars. Which that's are, right. That's that that led to our fortify strategic plan. So, you know, anytime with business, anytime with community development, to create a strategy, in my mind, there's always two sources of information, right? One is 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 the qualitative. We're talking to people. What do you see and how are you feel? What are your challenges? Documenting all that. Then comes the, comes the qualitative uh, inform or quantitative information, where the data and the numbers. And we discovered seventy percent of all new jobs in EF DFW were happening on the east side, and we were discovering that we have below the percentage of the population with a four-year degree in Fort Worth than, than the national average. So the data and this qualitative stuff sort of form the basis for the foundation. Mm -hmm. So we at the chamber were like, 
man, everything should be about economic prosperity. It's not about just prosperity of, of Chris and his business. It's about prosperity for everyone in the community. Yep. And so we have four areas or four pillars that we're focused on um, making that happen. Awesome. What are the four pillars? Oh, you've asked that twice now. Uh-huh. You're into it. So uh, business attraction and retention. So we've got to bring in new business. Uh, we've got to retain the business that we have here. Uh, the other one is talent development, attraction, and retention. So we need to attract people here. If we attract talent, we retain the talent that's here, that's graduating from schools here. That creates a, a good foundation to attract new business. And then talent development. You, you, we've got to develop the current talent that's here. Uh, small business and entrepreneur support. So we talked about this idea of investing in small business and entrepreneurs versus business attraction. So mm-hmm. we've, we've, we've got to do it both. And then advocacy. Yeah. I mean, you can't make any change. You can't develop and grow as we were just talking about rules, laws, regulations. You've got to have advocacy at the next level to help accomplish this. Right. And the theme that runs through all of these is what we call quality of place, meaning that in everything we do, we've got to be able to address some of the socioeconomic conditions that a community faces to be able to create more um, prosperity in the community. And this is completely new from the chamber perspective. This is totally not your grandpa's chamber. And what we're saying is, you know, I don't care how successful Chris Powers is, if we still have 19% poverty in Fort Worth, that is not a recipe for success long-term. I agree. If we reduce poverty, that's not some charity deal. It's reducing poverty and those people go on to supply Fort Capital or what other organizations are here from a staffing and workforce perspective. Same with affordable housing. I mean, we're not talking about Section 8 housing. We're talking about police officers and nurses. If we're growing and developing and they have to go out to Weatherford to afford something, we're in trouble. Right. We That service industry, everything we do, we have to be able to have a community where everyone can afford to live um, and where we can have the products and services that, that help grow and thrive. So we're looking at that in our talent strategy, in our advocacy, in our small business, and then in our business attraction. I love it. This conversation has been great. Uh, Fort Worth. I mean, most of the people that listen to this know uh, it's where my heart is. This city is incredible. If you haven't met Brandom and you are a business or you're coming to Fort Worth, call the chamber. They are 100% um, have retransformed their mission and what they're doing. Um, it is having an impact on the city. I am the biggest believer on where Fort Worth will be over the next 20 years. And it's been a pleasure to share that journey uh, with you. And we're really just getting started. We're just getting started. I enjoyed our second first podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, buddy. Thank you. Hey, everyone. It's Chris here again. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a quick review for us on iTunes. It will help more folks discover each episode. You can also reach me on Twitter at Fort Worth Chris or our email at thefortpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again.